0: Hello Neil and welcome to the Research Labs show. How is it going?
1: Excellent, and thank you for having me today, I appreciate it.
0: I am excited to chat with you regarding tech startups and how you help them. So let's begin with that itself. So how do you help tech startups that are in early stage uh, with their finance and operations?
1: Well, um, I help them in a number of different dimensions, and it can range from the most basic, meaning organizing their financial reporting and payables, receivables, and, and lining them up with the appropriate resources to take care of the day-to-day blocking and tackling kinds of activities. Uh, but the, my value add is, in addition on the strategic finance activities, and by that, I mean things like business planning, forecasting, modeling, and some of that ranges into strategy of the companies. Some of it is uh, preparing materials for the due diligence process in terms of fundraising, because a lot of young companies need addition, need capital to thrive, grow, and scale. Some can bootstrap, but some need to raise money. So I, I help them prepare things like pitch decks and data rooms and things like that as they're seeking to raise capital. Uh, I also help them with communications with their investors, meaning their board and, and keeping those interested parties up to date with what's going on with the company. And, and it goes beyond as well the finance pillar. So it can be other operational areas like human capital, real estate, legal matters like contracts and handling intellectual property and such so it's it's a wide range of help including both finance classic finance areas as well as operational areas
0: right so it seems like you're a link between a lot of startup founders and the investors so i think one of the questions we received from our community is that how do they uh, how do startup founders build trust with VCs or investors? Since you help them with communication, I think this might be something I uh, can help with. How do you approach that?
1: Sure, well, I mean, the, the foundation is transparency. So you want to be forthright uh, about capabilities and market opportunities and such. and And conveying to investors, why this particular management team is particularly adept at solving a a really tough problem and also communicating how this is a big market opportunity so classic angel investors venture investors etc are looking for not so much steady state low growth companies but they're looking for real big market opportunities and for companies to be able to To benefit from those big markets so so back to your question about building trust it's about demonstrating management's execution in the past so track record is really important and then also explaining why the company is in a good state or well prepared to address what could be a very large market
0: right so that they can really see the return on their investment that they would be making eventually
1: right most and most venture type investors are looking for multi fold kinds of returns on their investment they're not looking for um you know 15% annual growth in equity value they're looking for big hits if you will and if you look at the distribution of returns for young companies a proportion will just flame out and go bankrupt unfortunately some will do reasonably well and pers- persist for many years some many or the lion's share will be acquired as an as an exit strategy ultimately and then a smaller sliver could be public market or ipo candidates and that's that's something that many companies aspire to but only a small fraction ultimately make it to the public markets
0: right and about your role as a fractional CFO and a partner at TechCXO, could you tell us a bit more about it? And could you define the role for us? How how does a fractional CFO operate with the team?
1: Sure. So a fractional CFO is is a true on-demand executive. So that person can operate typically in one of three ways. One is fractional, meaning time-sliced. And and that could be a day a week or X hours a week, et cetera, or month. It could be a project-based kind of engagement where the company has a need and the fractional CFO may work pretty consistently and maybe full-time for X weeks or or so to get a project done or hours. And then interim is is truly a full-time role for some period of time. And the reason that an interim CFO could be brought in is because the company is in between permanent CFOs. They may have lost one for any number of reasons and are planning to make a new hire, but they need some stopgap coverage for what could be a number of months. So those are the three primary roles in which a a fractional CFO could provide work for, for a company or do work with a company.
0: Right. And the way you differentiated it from a full-time, since fractional really means a fraction of serving for a fraction of the time, as opposed to a full-time role. So how do you think that works, as opposed Mm -hmm. to Mm full-time capabilities?
1: Sure. Well, for young companies in particular, they're often not really position to afford or, or necessarily need a full-time CFO. So uh, it would be kind of inappropriate or maybe inaccessible for them to try to engage someone who is truly a CFO level. So that's why many young companies begin with an accountant or controller, and it could be internal or it could be an outsourced accountant or controller to take care of day-to-day needs. In terms of accessing someone who's seasoned and is a true CFO, it wouldn't—they don't really need someone uh, 24 by 7 by 365 in the in the seat, and many couldn't, you know, afford it or would just would be impractical. So, so it's an opportunity for companies to tap skills and capabilities that they need but don't need all the time. So it works out well for the company and then for practitioners like myself fractional executives we can work with a portfolio of companies meaning multiple clients and we may be working on two three four or five at a time depending on the the mix of needs of the companies so it provides a little bit of variety for the for the fractional exec as well
0: right that makes sense to me and uh, when is it when is the stage that You generally come into the picture, or I would say, when do the founders think they would need help from a fractional CFO in terms of the finance and operations?
1: Sure. Well, I mean, I can modify it in a number of uh, ways in terms of number of people involved in the company. I mean, it could be there could be. Two, three, or four people in a company where they may need this kind of help in terms of business planning and forecasting, um, or it could be a company of 150, 200, or more. From a revenue standpoint, it typically—I mean, it can be a pre-revenue company, and the company needs to have some source of, you know, capital to pay for the services. But I guess I would say the sweet spot is companies that have a couple of million in revenue a year to maybe 50 million or 75 million in revenue. I mean, after a certain point, it becomes more accessible and realistic for the company to hire a full-time exec. So so those are some of the ways to quantify it in terms of company size, be it people or revenue. But there, I think many companies, even in formation, could use, a couple of hours here and there of really wise counsel in the finance side. But they certainly don't, they won't necessarily need it, you know, every day of the week kind of thing.
0: Right. Right. In for example, in the initial stage, uh, they might need some validation on the idea. So a couple of hours might help that way.
1: Right. And also, I mean, in even in terms of um, building the business plan and strategy. there uh, A seasoned CFO has typically seen a lot of companies in formation and operating, so they may have some good input into uh, how the company should fashion its business. Should it be a SaaS model? Should it be a, a traditional term license model? Should they engage a lot of employees? Can they use contractors? So some of those, some of those early decisions, even in terms of what markets to address consumer business, both consumer and business markets, a, a seasoned CFO is able to help even forming business strategy in addition to some of the more concrete planning and execution areas.
0: If we switch to when you were taking interviews, I've noticed that you are taking a lot of interviews in your career span. So what is it that you recommend as an interviewer from the interviewer's perspective? And if we become a bit specific about this question, what is it that you would or anyone would look for if they want to become someone like you, like a fractional CFO and also in general?
1: Sure. Well. I think to succeed as a fractional C-suite executive, and it goes beyond the CFO role. There are chief marketing officers, uh, chief revenue officers, uh, CISOs, security, CTOs, technology. So in, in any of these disciplines, I think one of the key attributes for a candidate is the ability to Seek out opportunities and source business. So the business development gene is really important here, as opposed to being necessarily handed business. And there are there are firms that operate in that model where fractional executives execute business that comes in at a firm level. In my case at Tech Cxo, uh, we are we each seek our own business. So. Entrepreneurship is, is a critical capability and attribute of, of the, my colleagues and partners. I'd say project management is an, a really important skill to demonstrate and the ability to, to handle multiple clients and multiple situations simultaneously. So the ability to shift focus from one firm to another, to be really organized, in one's materials and keeping information things like that and keeping stories straight between one company and another that the ability to mode shift is a really important attribute among candidates to be fractional c-suite people Um, and i think also being natural connectors is another good attribute so in this world bringing People together, firms together is another really handy skill to have. And that's something that I look at among people that I speak with who are interested in getting into this business because there are so many different interrelated disciplines in terms of making businesses successful that I I call it issue spotting is really important to be able to see where companies are that you may be engaged with are coming up short need some help and then being able to refer in another discipline uh, to help out and it could be on a fractional basis or a permanent basis
0: got it and how has remote work been for you and how is it changed for the company that you work with companies that you
1: yeah i think we all have have undergone a bit of a change in the way we all work and i i think part of it relates to business development and part of it relates to execution so with respect to the business development side i and a number of my colleagues and, and competitors uh sp- tend to spend time at industry functions gatherings of startup executives and such. So the way that we come into contact with people who could be prospective clients uh, has changed. The notion of getting together with 200 people at an entrepreneur's roundtable or some other social gathering in the city or whatnot, it, un- it unfortunately doesn't happen and hasn't happened since March at this point. So it may from a business development standpoint, it makes it a little bit more challenging and it means individual outreach and conversations with with young companies. Uh, there are some, some conferences and such where there are breakout sessions and, and things like that, where you can interact with a couple of people and make a personal connection. So that that's been kind of helpful. But by and large it is more of a one by one outreach world but people I think are becoming more accustomed to the concept of taking zoom and, and other kinds of video meetings and and people have recouped in many cases 10 hours a week of commute time so that's given back a lot of time to to people to connect and and develop business or seek help, things like that. With respect to actually executing work, there should be no reason why we can't work virtually, nor was there ever a reason why we couldn't work virtually. I mean, it was just more commonplace or convenient to get together in an office. But especially in finance and operations, one should have a, a view that you should be able to operate in a remote fashion so meaning not necessarily referring to paper files or uh, depositing checks that come in in the mail things like that so wh- or opening up invoices and for payment you know physical mail and such so my approach has always been to set up business processes in a way that you can operate wherever you happen to be around the world so if you happen to be you know, on an extended trip or whatever, life can go on and you can do what you need to do. So I think, I think many companies realize that they should have set themselves up in that way. But that's always, even prior to the pandemic, that's been my way of operating. In other words, don't be dependent on getting into a particular office building. And that also extends to using cloud services for document storage and filing and such, I've, all, I've long been a proponent of forgetting about paper, not bothering with paper files, putting as much as possible in electronic cloud storage uh, that anyone can can access them and that they're resilient if there's any problem with a building a fire, et cetera, you know that your uh, work and archives are, are fully backed up so so in a way i don't feel that's changed i mean in practice we we are not getting together as much as we did but we should have always been prepared to operate in this in this remote world
0: right i think this year has really accelerated the ideal way of working which is using the internet and using cloud services which also gives room more for automation and you know handling a lot of things at once?
1: Yeah, I'd say uh, the more that can be done, like sort of hands off or automated, the better. So um, there are a lot of great tools in terms of um, handling incoming bills or outgoing payments that are truly virtual and those systems reduce errors, ultimately, if there's some recognition of recurring invoices and you're probably familiar with the concept of uh, robotic process automation rpa to to handle common tasks and things like that so the the less human intervention there is ultimately the better in many financial processes
0: right are there any tools you would recommend for this podcast
1: well, I mean, I would say I build, I'm a big proponent of Bill.com, which is a means of receiving invoices from others, be it emailed to you or, or virtual fax or, or received in the mail and scanned in. As well as that Bill.com provides a way of uh, paying vendors either by mailing... Uh, rem- having it mail a paper check out, or better, uh, sending an electronic funds transfer to the customer. Uh, I think there are a lot of... So that's on the bill, the payable side. Um, In terms of expense reimbursement, uh, Expensify and Concur are great tools in terms of um, aggregating employee expenses and paying those. So there's no no shortage of you know electronic tools but i'll mention those those three as particularly useful tools for speeding things up
0: right thank you very much for the recommendations and mm-hmm. have you seen any new and innovative tools coming out as a outcome of uh, learning from this pandemic what has what is the new uh, product or tool that has caught your eye in your space?
1: I I think it's simply, I think the tools were always there. I'm not sure I can point to any new offering. I think we're simply just, we're simply taking advantage of those offerings to a greater extent. So I'm not aware of, of newly developed technology. We've been in this pandemic age for eight, nine, eight months or thereabouts at this point. So I'm not aware of new technologies from a finance standpoint. I think there are some, I've seen technological advances in terms of health checks and things like that. In other words, consulting with employees or people who are coming on premises to make sure that they are healthy and don't come if they do have symptoms and and things like that temperature checks of course in a in a batch or large-scale process in buildings as people are walking through turnstiles and things like that so i'd, I'd say most of the innovation has and other tools in terms of proximity measurement meaning if one person in the office is getting too close to another, if they're wearing kind of a pendant or some sensing device uh, to make sure that people don't get too close to each other or and to indicate if they have. So, so I think it's really in the health area that we've seen the most technological innovation in the last couple of months, but not necessarily in the finance practices. I think there's just simply more utilization of tools like Zoom or cloud services. I think the migration to the cloud versus um the server in the closet kind of thing, uh that, that trend has accelerated quite a bit in the last year.
0: That is a great observation that the tools have been utilized a lot more. Yeah, particularly the ones that were already there, and people have you know, noticed them more because someone recommended them. Yeah, if we switch to what is it that investors think startup founders knew better about funding? What have you observed? So.
1: I, I would say it's being very cognizant about burn, uh, cash burn, and how to use resources well. And I think all entrepreneurs need to be good stewards of capital, meaning they have to use their money wisely and and I think investors appreciate when companies respect and value the money they've raised and and use it wisely to to put it into growth initiatives as opposed to i mean all companies offer perks and swag and foosball tables and Um, beer kegs and things like that, and a free lunch here and there. but uh, And that's very nice. But I think uh, investors want to see their capital used for growth in the business. And they also want to see among entrepreneurs, the ability to keep their eye on the longer term prize. So meaning, not necessarily using uh, a lot of capital raised for current pay or compensation there needs to be a good balance of near-term compensation versus reinvestment to create equity value over time so i think that's by and large from the investor's perspective what they're hoping for i would i'd say we're in a world where capital is reasonably available and Uh, Equity markets have been holding up and venture investing and early stage investing continues at a a pace. Uh, But at the same time, investors want to make sure that the the funds advanced are used wisely.
0: Right. And is there something that you would recommend founders that they keep the investors updated with like about after the funding process when the funds are passed? Mm -hmm.
1: Keep investors sort of updated. Sure, I think I think consistent investor communication is really important, and uh, and developing a set of KPIs or key performance indicators and metrics that that demonstrate and expose to the investor how the company is doing, and and there should be agreement in what those success factors are between management and the investor uh, and then having a, a frequent and regular cadence of communication with those investors meaning periodic updates both on a quantitative basis as well as a qualitative basis meaning how are things how is the culture how's the sales um, momentum things like that I think I think uh, you can't communicate too much when it comes to investors when all is said and done so i think you want to be you know open honest and and keeping them in the loop because the last thing you want to do is dump an unpleasant surprise no one likes bad surprises people like good surprises perhaps but no one wants to be caught blindsided in terms of what's going on at a company so so Frequent communication is really important, and honest communication is important. And also uh, to tap, uh, I'd recommend tapping the investor's connections, perspective, and such to help the company succeed. So investors are not only a source of money to make things happen, but they're also often a source of really good guidance and insight. Uh, They're not there to run the company, but they're there for good counsel and uh, to help uh, propel the company forward.
0: Right. So with funding, it's also about the guidance that they provide with their own experiences and portfolio of companies that they... Provide.
1: Great connections, right. We began the conversation by the fact that I'm a fractional, on-demand finance and operations person. I think you know. a logical question is, you know, what is the role of... Of that fractional exec over time as a company grows, and I th- and I think that um, ultimately, people like me are looking ultimately to sort of work them their way out of a job. Meaning, when a company reaches critical mass, that company will staff with a full time strategic CFO. So, you know, a logical question is, you know, what becomes of the of the fractional exec? And in some cases, there may be ongoing periodic requirements and things like that, or it may be an end of an association. And with the hiring of a full-time exec, I will say that a lot of fractional C-suite people are often really helpful in finding full-time solutions for companies. So uh, to, to bring it full circle as to what the life cycle is for these young companies as they grow uh, it's off it's important to recognize that the presence and help may may be finite over time if a company is really successful and and grows nicely
0: right so sort of the lifetime of interactionss here with one particular company is uh, starting from uh, the initial mm-hmm. consultations from the idea let's say then to the reaching to the investor. And then when the company grows, you would probably also might help them with bridging them to a full-time exec and, you know, uh, sort of keeping that process intact. Absolutely. And maybe also reviewing stuff with the new person as happens conventionally. Yeah. yeah.
1: some knowledge institutional knowledge transfer things like that exactly got it i well, appreciate it it was it's a pleasure speaking with you today and i was uh, delighted to, i'm delighted to join you
0: yes it was a pleasure hosting the show with you